Well, good morning and welcome. It is a beautiful, albeit kind of chilly, November morning. And I wanted to have a discussion with you today about something that's a little more heavy hitting than normal, which is the idea of discomfort and being not just uncomfortable, I think people make phrases like uh, uh, get comfortable being uncomfortable. And yeah, that's, that's a real thing. Like you can do that, but there are times where everybody is going to reach a level of discomfort. That is um, really, really uncomfortable bordering on painful and it can happen physically. It can happen uh, internally, emotionally, whatever it can be where you're at a place maybe in your career or your schedule where things are just, I'm not going to say bad, but some people are going to interpret it as bad. And um, this is maybe timely, even though it seems like we were on a holiday track and we talked a lot about strategies last week about how to, um, you know, have enjoyable holiday meals. And so this seems like a diversion, but also, I don't think it's that much of a diversion because we were talking, if you really think about it, about depriving yourself of your normal routine and being a little bit more conservative with how you eat. Now, it sounds awfully silly, but for some people, that's going to be extremely uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, What really made me think about this, though, is going through the gym this week and working with the clients that I work with, I saw just a handful of examples of people not accepting discomfort in the right way. And it really makes me question like where we are as a society and where we are as uh, maybe a business, maybe as coaches, because part of our job is to help people live to their full potential. And you're not going to do that without experiencing a serious amount of struggle and and working for growth and everything. Um, You know, the world is not all rainbows and sunshine. Mm -hmm. And the nice thing about going through difficult times or going through struggle is that it makes the good things in life that much sweeter. And it makes uh, victory taste amazing. It makes your accomplishments very, very satisfying. And a lot of people just aren't willing to do what it takes. Maybe they even carve out the time, but when they show up to the barbell, they can't make it happen. Maybe it's because they don't know what it takes. And that's our job to explain that to them and to help them feel like the feels and get it like deeply ingrained inside. But, uh, you know, the, the idea of being, uh, uncomfortable and kind of, uh, shedding the, the pleasures of modern society. There's a lot of literature out there. And I mean, I'm not here to talk like a crazy, like hippie, you know, commune with nature kind of thing. And there's also, you know, like this isn't an alt, right? Like, you know, put your armor on and go rucking and live in the mountains and, you know, be a hard Spartan society. Um, but there's merit on both sides of that. Right. And, uh, I choose to live physically and I choose to live, uh, vigorously. So what did I see? Um, one example, uh, the front squat, fantastic exercise. 
possibly the best exercise with a barbell to prove whether you can squat or not. Would you concur? I would, yes. Okay. It's very core intensive. If you can't do a front squat, then um, you're not really going to be able to do a back squat very well. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, and if you're trying to picture what that looks like, most people can imagine what a squat is. They've seen videos of gyms or whatever. The barbell sits across your back and you sit your butt down like you're trying to find a chair and then you stand back up. And it's a great way to build strength. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, kind of flip the positioning and put the barbell in front. And now where the load should be distributed is that load should be distributed across your shoulders and a little bit right by your collarbone, right where your throat is. That's your load distributing surface. And people will um, just like wiggle and try to worm their way out of that and put the load anywhere except where the load belongs. Mm -hmm. And that's when people start to feel their wrists hurt. Right. Uh, that's when people, um, start to have the bar slide forwards on their shoulders and then ends up in the crook of their elbow. And if that happens very, very quickly under a heavy amount of load, you can get injured that way. And, you know, we're not pushing people into an injury, but trying to train people to do that. I had this thought one, you know, an older gentleman was struggling with it. And I thought, you know, this might not be an appropriate selection for him. This might just be the wrong exercise to pick. But then I had this thought like, you know, the other holding a, a kettlebell in front or holding a dumbbell in front, that's not working really well either. Let's go ahead and practice going through this really, really uncomfortable move because it's going to demonstrate where the real strength is and that's where the growth mm -hmm. is. You know, if you're kind of collapsing in a move and you don't have a reason to resist that collapse because something's not working right. We need to set up something where something is working right. So we set this up and uh, it was painful to coach. It was probably painful to watch if anybody was watching, <laughs> right? But it was really, really illuminating. And, you know, the rest of the story of how that plays out with that guy, I don't know. We'll probably do more. I think it's a valuable exercise. We'll find a way to scale it down. We'll maybe use a broom handle instead of a barbell because you do the arms straight out in front of you where nothing is touching it. You can't use your fingers to grab it. And that makes some people's brains just spin, right? Um, but the advantage of it is now what has to hold, which is your posture, and the load that has to hold right there, right by your throat, pushing into it, you know, really uncomfortably. Um, that's what's going to get the results for this guy. And that just got me thinking, like, uh, sometimes the discomfort that you have to deal with, you cannot go around it. You cannot go under it. You can't go over it. Right. And the only way to go is through it. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't go through it, you're setting yourself up for basically an injury in your life. Uh, we've been using this term in the Marines called a moral injury, which may or may not be self-inflicted, right? Seeing a, uh, a tragedy or something traumatic, you know, that can be inflicted on you. Right. It could be the act of an enemy, but uh, failing to do the right thing at the right time can also inflict its own moral injury on you. Mm -hmm. And now you've got scar tissue or maybe like a, a spiritual broken limb 
that you can't get around until that one thing gets repaired or else you're going to limp the rest of your life. Right. So, um, yeah, yeah, go ahead. um, Since we're talking about discomfort, that it just made me think about what you tell new clients, whether they're experienced or they're not experienced. Um, when you're going through a certain lift or movement, you do tell your clients that, uh, if you feel uncomfortable, it's fine. Um, I don't know the exact words, but it's along (laughs) the lines of that and that you are working through, um, some of the muscle imbalancement. So it's going to feel weird until you gain that strength back and you're actually doing the movement properly. And, um, I think that just kind of fits in with what we're talking about because, um, you do have to, like you said, push through some of those discomfort movements Mm -hmm. in order to uh, get better and get better results. So I just wanted to throw that out there because, uh, right. Yeah. This isn't, this isn't like a, a macho thing. It's just reality. Mm -hmm. Um, you cannot experience personal growth, either muscle or changing your body composition or learning and acquiring a skill or, um, having a successful career or having a successful relationship. You can't have any of that without a certain level of struggle. Mm -hmm. And if you are struggling in such a way as to avoid things, you will not be successful. If you're struggling in such a way as to win or in such a way as to overcome the challenge, you will be successful. So, um, you know, the Marines for a long time had a shirt, uh, the pain, uh, pain is weakness, leaving the body. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's a little bit on the macho side because there is a kind of pain that brings weakness, like an actual injury, right? And you don't want to push to the breaking point. Um, the companion phrase that is kind of out there as well as, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And it's like, you know, or what doesn't kill you maims you, <laughs> right? So, <laughs> so yeah, there is a level and the, uh, the exercise equivalent of that is progressive overload, progression, constantly getting better. But I see so many people settle for just doing the same thing round and around and around and they're not tracking what they've done. And they're not saying, you know, across this whole workout, I did a hundred reps. Maybe next time I need to do 107, right? They're not actually striving to get through that in an improving way. And that's their responsibility. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there's an element of personal responsibility here. Right. Um, As trainers, like there's only so much we can do with that. I mean, yeah. we can't, I think we talked about last time, we can't push them to, um, do the reps like they have to actually do that themselves correct now uh i have some tricks up my sleeve yes (laughs) so the uh the circuit work i am gonna share and um anybody that actually trains with me that's listening to this might get a preview of what this looks like um i like working uh, i call them progressions and that means workouts that i've written and we find you know where they fit into the you know sunday through saturday structure with your life there's some rest days and some cardio homework but how are you going to strength train and i think that people absorb that really well in terms of months so four week plans make a lot of sense um, you need to get good at what you're doing and be able to prove to yourself that you're getting better at it before you move on Oh, this is good. This ties right in with what the speech of the week is. Mm -hmm. And we'll hit that later. But uh, there was a guy 
at the gym that I apprenticed at who like role modeled this UFC fighter because he was a coach. He was a conditioning coach for UFC athletes. And I got to work with some of these UFC athletes as well on their conditioning team. But, you know, just looking at the broader field out there of guys that were uh, coaching, he really role modeled this one guy that would never do the same workout twice. And he thought, oh, that's so amazing because you're always hitting your muscles at different angles and you're never bored and stuff. But the flip side to that is, how do you know you got better? Exactly. Right? Are you just just out there distracting yourself? Like, has exercise become entertainment? Mm. I'm not saying it shouldn't be fun, but have we turned the fitness industry too much into an entertainment industry? So trying to specifically not be that, trying to specifically be a good coach. I write four week plans, um, typically three hard weeks of work and then a week where you deload a little bit. Uh, maybe if some of your skills have gotten atrophied, we improve them. If you've been working really, really hard and gotten tight in some muscles, we try to fix that in the deload week, but it's still similar movements. Also people absorb things in terms of months. It's like we understand it. It, it fits our storyline and it's easier to make sense of. So maybe, you know, if you could find deep in communist Russia when they were doing all their, uh, you know, juicing and, you know, cheating at the Olympics and all that crap, um, if you could find like, maybe there's scientific data that says that people work best in 2.83 week progressions, right? We're not gonna do that. It, because it doesn't make sense. <laughs> so if that doesn't make sense, but four weeks does make sense, um, it's just a good way to get people engaged and to own their own progress because they know after this four weeks, things are going to change. But like I said, I have a trick up my sleeve for forced improvement. So in this four week plan, we've been doing some uh, agility warm up warm the brain up and warm the body up at the same time, do some interesting tasks. Then we've been doing a couple heavy lifts. Um, you know, one day it'll be front heavy, the other day it'll be back heavy. We call it anterior and posterior chain. And then there's a circuit. And the circuit is like this, hey, you need to go for this amount of reps per round. And then maybe next round, the reps go up. It's called ascending reps and that's great. But what I'm going to do after two weeks of that, which means starting next week, it's no longer going to be, oh, you have to get 10, then 15, then 15, then 20. It's going to be open reps, but the total reps is going to be higher than what you've been doing. So you can do them in any order that you want. It's the same exercises you have been doing. You'll probably want to spread them out kind of like I have in the circuit already. But if you've been doing a hundred reps across everything in one exercise, now it's going to be like 115 or 120. Mm. So there's like a 15% you have to improve in order to finish the workout and get out of the house and, or get out of my house <laughs> and then get back to your house. Okay. Right. And you might be crawling on the ground leaving, but you're going to get it done. Um, so there are tricks like that, that we can use professionally to help people improve, but they still have to own their own improvement. And the hotter you make the furnace, like the better your body's going to respond. I, that's like, I know that's not even scientifically how it works, but like kind of, 
it's not a bad analogy, right, for firing up your metabolism. Um, that's the other thing that I've noticed about a lot of people over the years is a lot of people cannot move fast. Yes. They cannot train intensely enough to get results. Yes, and when you try to get them to train that fast, it's very difficult for them or they feel like they're pushing themselves yeah. too hard. It, I don't understand it because mm -mm. I've been an athlete my whole life and you have too. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't understand the lack of hustle. Like, where does that come from? Well, I don't know if some of it's like a generation thing because with some of your clients, they're older mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I don't really know how long, but like, um, with some of your older female clients, it's just how they were raised. Like athleticism wasn't really a thing right. for them. So they didn't really have that opportunity to, um, experience what it's like to move that fast. Um, as opposed to now, I mean, we, I still have some clients who are my same generation who don't move fast and don't know how to, but I think it's more common for older women because they just, um, didn't have the opportunity necessarily to be in sports and to push themselves. That's not wrong. Um, the older women too, I think struggle more with what they're feeling and what it is. Mm -hmm. So, you know, clients who just complain about muscle soreness and they think that's an injury. It's like, no, it's not. And it hit right on time. They're like, I did the workout and I felt fine. And then the next day I felt fine. And then the next day I got hurt and my, like, my leg is broken. It's like, no, <laughs> that's, that's muscle soreness. Mm -hmm. It's delayed onset. It hit right when we thought it would, right? Stuff like that. Um, but younger women, there's, there's this like subculture. I don't know where they come from. I don't know what they do. They're not former athletes or current athletes but they, uh, they get frustrated if you make them take breaks, mm -hmm. but they're barely working. Right. So they want to do this like circuit work and they want to do this, go from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. Maybe part of that's like exercise retainment. I think so. Cause I, if you see on Instagram and I don't know, if this is jumping too far to speech of the week, but a lot of videos on Instagram are like quick 20 minute circuit videos mm -hmm. of just getting your workout done and fast. And I think that's kind of what they're thinking of. They just want to yes. get in, get things done. And that can be effective if you do it at maximum intensity. Right. But right? most of the time if they're doing it on their own, they're not. And even in here, I've seen like, they're not like pushing themselves hard enough. Yeah. 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 I try to work out hard and I try to set a good example. If you come in towards the last half to two thirds of my workout, like you're going to see me struggling mm -hmm. and it's not because I can't do push-ups. It's because I'm taking the intensity as far as I can and I'm working through that and I'm, I'm training, like I'm actually trying to add upon and build upon what I did before, right? Um, and a lot of people I think appreciate that when they come in for their workout with me and it's, you know, maybe five minutes early and I'm just like, just a mess on the floor. <laughs> but like some of these like young women, 
and I'm talking like mid 20s to early 30s seems to be that zone. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't want to be too derogatory, but it's like it's the Sunday brunch crowd. It's the like give me mimosas crowd. It's like the like I want all the nice things in life without working hard for it. Like they're Mm -hmm. not working out intensely enough to get anything out of it. I had one. I don't remember her name, which is probably good. But she came in here and this was when I was Oh man, this was probably like six years ago. We were just getting started at this location. And uh, she wanted like all these like super lean ab results and stuff. And I could not get her to move. Like the intensity in her body was so bad. She wasn't dysfunctional, just she couldn't move with any zip, right? Hmm. And she would complain about how like I would, the workouts weren't hard enough. And I'm like, well, you're not working hard enough. Like also, we need to get your strength higher so you can work harder. But like, holy moly, like you're not working intense enough to lose fat. That's just the way it's going to be. And you need to improve that. Um, so two weeks later, she canceled. And during that conversation, uh, and, you know, good for her canceling face to face. That's that integrity move. Yeah. But um, she had been working out with three other trainers during the same at the same time she had hired four trainers at the same time what which is like i i don't know what you were doing like you were trying to cover your bases spread your odds i I don't even know how to bet so i don't know what that's called but like that's a lot she's doing something and probably didn't have energy for it but probably didn't think about that because if you were working out intensely enough I mean, come on, one trainer is enough. If you're really, really active, like I am, maybe a sports coach Mm -hmm. and maybe a skill coach and then maybe a strength and conditioning coach. Mm -hmm. So I have three coaches, right? And I do work with them. And that's not even like the medical team that I work with. And um, like, I'm not like spending a ton of money on this, guys. Like you need to assemble a team just for context, because it sounds ridiculous, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm not like NFL level staffing, right? But like your team needs to include a trusted chiropractor, a trusted physical therapist, a trusted strength and conditioning coach mm-hmm. slash personal trainer. And then if you're doing sport, then, you know, somebody to coach you on sport specific things, right. right? So you can improve your skills. Um, little, little free FYI here, like the trainer's job, especially for like maybe parents that are looking to find somebody for their kids. Like the trainer's job is not to get your baseball player to throw a better pitch. That's the pitching coach's job. The trainer's job is to keep that body healthy and resilient and athletic as strong as possible, both pushing and pulling so that the shoulders stay in their sockets so that (laughs) you can like play baseball as long as you want to. And that goes for every sport. Um, but yeah, I, I just think there's a certain level of like not either understanding how to work out hard or not being willing to be shown that because you want results too quickly. Like body transformation is a long process. It is. It's not going to happen overnight. And it's going to take equal parts, intense strength conditioning, rest and recovery and what you do in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And that rest and recovery part, um, we talked a little bit about the kitchen last time, but the rest and recovery part uh, can get into dealing with your personal issues. Mm -hmm. Because if you're constantly holding on to stress 
or you're constantly in a toxic relationship that makes you eat the wrong things, or if you are um, like dealing with your own inability to get into action, that has to get dealt with for you to make progress. You can maybe stabilize yourself, like maintenance is a thing, but you could, you know, stabilize yourself, but uh, you're not gonna like make the progress that you want if you've got a serious either character issue or moral injury that has to get dealt with. Mm -hmm. Now, the good news is exercise is very therapeutic. And I know that as a young guy, like in my 20s, and a lot of the guys on my rugby clubs, um, like we dealt with a lot of our issues through sport. And I think that can be very, very healthy to a point. To a point, yes. Right. But... <laughs> You know, the whole, like, sports build character. Well, they can build character. If you have a good coach that's intentional about it, and if you have parents that reinforce it. Very supportive. Or sports can just make an egotistical asshole, especially if you're a star. Mm -hmm. My gosh, people that drop the ball before they cross the goal line. Man, if I was a coach, I'd try to revoke a scholarship mm -hmm. if I saw that. <laughs> like, it's worse than dancing into the end zone. But it's really funny that you bring that up because my client this morning and I actually just had this conversation about volleyball players. Mm. You have your pro volleyball players and then you have everyone else who think that they're really good, but they're not. And I experienced this playing at um, a sand court and it was like very basic beginner level mm -hmm. and... Uh, the other team would call everything and you weren't playing for anything. It was just for fun. And she, she was a professional volleyball player. So she told me, she's like, that's just how volleyball players are. I don't know why, but like you have your pro players who are very good. And then you have everyone else who thinks they're really good and will give you that attitude. Mm. And yeah, it was just kind of funny seeing. That's her. not the rugby world. So it's interesting to see how different communities. Well, it's not like that with basketball. Either. Develop. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's. It depends on the sport. Like some sports are more segregated and if football is one of them, American football, unfortunately is more segregated. I don't know if it's just because, um, when you get older, like you don't want to put your body through that, but like rugby's super violent and injury intensive. It's just less concussion intensive because the lack of helmets leads you to not want to lead with your head. Yes. So the tackling is better, but it's, almost as violent. The, uh, the study that looked at this said that American football players versus rugby players, the level of like power and intensity, rugby players are at 90% of what professional American football players do. And you got to think about it. They're doing that with constant play, very much fewer breaks than football players get. So that's impressive given that they're in an endurance zone. Um, that just means that the potential for injury is there. But, um, yeah, you don't have like a, a second team or a third team on a professional football club. You just have your roster and that's it. Whereas the best professional clubs that play rugby throughout the, you know, like, uh, Europe and, um, kind of that Southern hemisphere, they have a second team and a third team and a fourth team and sometimes a fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth team. So like, how would it be to join the Denver Broncos and just walk onto their social eighth team, <laughs> right? That's what it would be like. Mm -hmm. And you'd have membership dues to pay, but it would be uh, a little bit more of a healthy social environment. But because of the way that some of these sports like rugby, maybe in some cases, soccer, uh, association football, for those of you <laughs> across the pond um yeah some of these 
some of these clubs, that second string is really, really, really good. And on, and sometimes the third and fourth are like, so at any given day, you could see that promotion happen. And uh, just the strength of the overall player community is much better, but it sounds like in volleyball, there's a very, very sharp cliff. It is, yes. <laughs> it, it's so crazy too. And it was fun to experience that. In a way it was fun to experience it, but at the same time, I'm just, yeah. I'm here to have fun. Like I'm not playing for anything. There was no prize and it yeah. was just for fun. And yes. if you didn't have the perfect set, they would, it was the players that would call. Oh, uh, yeah. So. Oh, that's that's very silly. Yes. Um, see, by calling, I thought you meant just regular communication. I came out and played with you and some of your friends. You did, yeah. The other day, it was a lot of fun. And uh, at some point, the game, like, degenerated into a four guys versus six girls thing. <laughs> and the girls, like, didn't open your mouths. Guys open our mouths. We won. I'm not going to say <laughs> we were more athletic or, like, better at volleyball. I'm just going to say, like, we actually talked. Mm -hmm. And it probably produced the results that we were looking for. Oh, yeah. Although, communication. <laughs> best part of that whole day was your one friend had the ball coming and, like, looked like she was going to do this underhanded thing. And then at the last second, oh, yeah. eyes getting major wide, like deer in the headlights, tries to protect her face. Ball, face, bam, girl, floor. <laughs> Hilarious. Um, that's the fun thing about volleyball, though, yeah. especially outside when it's a little windy. Yeah. You just don't know where the ball's going to end up because it mm -hmm. looks like it's going to drop and it doesn't. <laughs> so you exactly. Have that quick adjustment. Exactly. So um, that is that though is like she was able to laugh that off and get up and play mm -hmm. and you you got all the sand and you got the face and volleyball is very soft in terms of difficulty but a lot of people won't expose themselves even to that level of discomfort mm -hmm. i think grown-ups need sports i think so and i think it's a shame that however we've set up our culture and i i mean i know america i've i've been outside of the country many times i've mm -hmm. seen things but like i don't 100 know how the rest of the world handles adult sport like people need to play sports people need to exercise it's not just a uh, you get done with your computer job and you come to the gym and your trainer performs like mechanical like maintenance on your body so that you don't die before you're 60. Mm -hmm. like that's not how it's supposed to be like you need to give your uh give your heart to what you're doing mm -hmm. like you need to invest in, in the yourself. moment like, like well yeah and invest yeah. in the moment but i mean like uh play with heart like do your workout hard like get into it you know care about it a little bit and you can work on how that emotional balance works for you the rest of the, uh, you know i'm not going to say that your exercises should be the most draining thing mm -hmm. on the planet you know for me i probably care a little bit more because i have to have a body that at least kind of looks like i could be a strength coach mm -hmm. right you do too but like for you know depending on your personal goals if you're trying to get a little bit further down the road you got to go harder um i think this is begging for a part two i think so yeah i yeah. think it is so uh speech of the week is beware the land of infinite distraction and we had some examples kind of come up in this particular episode uh but the land of infinite distraction is all the shiny bells and whistles that you tend to see on Instagram trainers doing creative things, uh, people doing probably inadvisable things. Like you can watch a bunch of gym fails mm -hmm. and see what's up with that. But, uh, 
you don't need every bell and whistle. You don't need every single bizarre thing to do in the gym to get results. What you need to get good at is squatting, push-ups, having some intensity with your cardio. That could be a weightlifting circuit or it could be just doing one thing and going after it and you need to be able to pull, yes. right? Basic movement patterns, basic movements, get really, really good at them. Then you can branch out a little bit, but do the same things and come back to the same things. Because if you don't, you're just gonna chase your tail in circles and your body actually won't adapt. Basics, buddy. Basics. All right. <laughs> See you guys. Bye.